The Athletic. This season, the world's biggest football podcast network is even bigger. Alongside our three weekly episodes of the Totally Football Shows and the two Totally Football League Shows, we've got three episodes of the all-new Athletic Football Podcast with Mark Chapman. Adam Hurry's football cliches will be with you on Mondays and Wednesdays. There'll be two lots of Michael Cox on our Tactics Podcast and we've revamped our FPL and women's football shows too. Our Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham Club podcasts are now twice a week. And don't forget, we've also got our TIFO, Offside Rule and Football Manager shows too. Along the way, there are amazing new series with both Kelly Cates and Jackie Oatley, so keep your eye out for those. And you can listen to all of these podcasts across our network in all the usual places. Or ad-free on The Athletic app. The Athletic, the world's biggest football podcast network. And we're back. The new EFL season kicked off in style this past weekend. Supporters in stadiums, a sight for sore eyes, and there were plenty of other home comforts too. Warnock whinging, tick. Steve Evans book, tick. Yamo gonna yamo. That ain't good enough. We just had it in a dressing room. I'm fed up we keep saying it, and I'm not keeping saying it. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Ah, that's better. Uh, well done, all of us, for getting through last season, but let's never do that barren business of supporter free grounds again, shall we? Uh, it's me, Matt Davis Adams, kicking off the first of our now twice weekly TFLSs in the company of Quest Sam Parking. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. We've also got the Arsenal Inquester, Adrian Clark. Hello. And back by popular request from The Athletic, the one and only Ryan Conway. Hi, Ryan. Hello. So we're not doing performance of the week this season, but we thought we might do like a quick favourite thing from the weekend. <sighs> Who's going to bash me first? Adrian? Ryan? Ryan, <laughs> you can go first because you take more, more pleasure in it. I'll, I'll, I'll start. I'll start. Um, so my favourite moment of the weekend, it's actually a two-pronged one, but it's mainly, it's mainly because Nottingham Forest lost in just hilarious fashion. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So that was great. But a- but actually, Coventry winning in front of their fans in their home again, that was cool. But also Forrest losing, that was cool. <laughs> just just a, a, a brief bit of pushback on this. I mean, this is not even in the top 500 most spectacular calamities that have befallen the two-time European champions. In the ah, yeah, but I, this I, is I, the first one them. this season. So That's true, yeah, yeah. We went early with it. Um, we went early. And, and I, you know what, Ryan, you've just had a go at me there, and you did on Twitter. When that goal went in from McFadzine, I put my jumper over my head <laughs> in despair, and my nearly three-year-old son turned to me and with utter disdain in his voice said, why are you hiding? <laughs> You're a coward, Matt Davis Adams, a complete coward. <laughs> uh, Clark, you want to join the pylon or did anything else? Uh, abs- absolutely. No, there were some funny things going on at the weekend, weren't there? But, um, but yeah, nothing to do with Forrest, I promise. From my end, absolutely no allegiance here. I just thought it was a great moment, the goal, because Coventry being back at home, and the, the way they came back into the game, I thought they, they were pushing and pushing and pushing to get the winning goal, having got the leveller. And it was just great drama the way it came about, wasn't it? With the, with a good save from Samba, then a block shot, and then the McFadden effort coming in and the keeper getting something on it, but not enough. It was it was glorious. And it was a genuine take the roof off moment, wasn't it? And um, yeah, I was listening to it on the radio at the time. But I have to confess, my first thought when that happened was... Oh, Matt's gonna Matt's gonna be beside himself. I can't <laughs> wait to rib him. So, um, so yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you're getting it. Uh, it was nice to see that old Coventry supporter with the crazy moustache who always wears the hat. Good to see him back in his in his natural <laughs> habitat. Sam, help me out here, please. Don't, don't, don't just join the pylon. Well, I thought to join the crew. I thought in terms of opening day victories, Swindon and and Hartlepool are the two stories, but we're gonna speak about them later. So I'm a bit late to the party on this. Thomas Sangard playing his guitar in front of the uh, the valley. David Brent is my hero, <laughs> along with Les Ferdinand and Ray Wilkins. This sounds sensational. He's done uh, a couple of numbers, I believe. Yeah, Mull of Kintyre being one of them and uh, a Charlton-related one, so doesn't get much better than that does it what a way to start well, the season I, not not for I me tell you, but <laughs> fair play to him 
I'll tell you what gets better than that. It's Thomas Angard doing the duet with Johnny Jackson on the pitch. Oh. You know, they can both do a bit, can't they? Different oh. styles. <laughs> you can make that happen, Sam. Johnny, I, 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 even I can't make that happen. I'm not sure that would be his vibe. Uh, I'll chuck in Mike Dean, j- just rocking up as fourth official in the Tranmere game. You know, obviously, as Clarky said on the group chat, had his boots in the car just in case, went there as a fan. No sooner had the call gone out over the PA than old Dino was uh, was putting his studs in and getting ready to strut his stuff. You just love to see it. Oh, hey, Keith well, Stroud. Keith Stroud as well. Blowing oh. a kiss to the, to the ball. I've seen him kiss the centre circle at Griffin Park once upon a time, but I didn't think he could surpass that, but he has. My Seriously? goodness. He kissed the centre circle? It was I mean, pre-COVID, so he's not going to get uh, any re- retrospective <laughs> yeah. action. Uh, right, we'll be speaking with Mark Warburton later, but first, let's get to the Championship. At Paddy Power, we're looking forward to the return of the Premier League this weekend. Man United kick off their campaign against old rivals Leeds. The operative word there being old, because the last time Leeds finished ahead of Man United was before most of the players in the current teams were born. Though I remember it well. God, I'm getting too old for this job. And while you can't build a time machine, you can build your own bet. With a completely free £5 bet builder on Man United v Leeds this Saturday. Paddy Power! Pre-match bet builder bets only. Minimum two legs plus. Online exclusive. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Championship headlines, Blackburn, Luton, Hull, Stoke, Birmingham and Coventry were the week one winners. That meant none of these sides relegated from the Prem managed a W. As for the other new boys, Posh got gubbed at Luton, but Blackpool pinched a point at Bristol City and Hull bollocked Preston. And in transfer news, Adam Armstrong is setting sail for Southampton. Uh, let's roll all the way back to Friday night, first of all. A 2-2 on the seaside. No, it's not a ballerina staycation, but a draw between Bournemouth and West Bromwich Albion. Here's a tweet from somebody who goes by the moniker A. Clark. Tremendous start to the championship season. Really enjoyed the 2-2 draw between Bournemouth and WBA. Thought Albion looked very strong. Their power and intensity could blow a lot of sides away this season under Ismail. Uh, there you go. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, <laughs> uh, you've got more than 280 characters here, Clarky. You can tell us a bit more about the game. Yeah, it was a great game. It was really good. I enjoyed it massively. Um, West Bromwich Albion did look really dangerous whenever the ball was put into the box in the air, mainly from set set pieces, but also in general play. And their pressing was was so obvious that the Ismail has worked really hard with them. And it it definitely impacted the game because Bournemouth couldn't pass through the lines. They ended up going pretty long and, and they forced them into quite a lot of mistakes. So now I think Baggies fans, they were in full voice down there at the Vitality. I'm not surprised because there was a lot a lot to like about that performance. I also thought Moet was really good at sort of picking up the pieces in the in the middle of the midfield. So no, really strong, strong display from them. And I, I think of the two sort of championship fancies, they looked... They look the stronger on the night, but I have to say that Bournemouth got a lot of lots of good players to come back into that that starting eleven. Yeah, with Bournemouth, Ryan, as Adrian mentioned, players to come back in, and, and we can say this about a lot of Championship clubs, but also we're going to have to reassess them on the thirty first of August at one minute past eleven, aren't we, to see who's still there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the the, the big name though will be Dan Juma. Is is he still still there? Adds a, an awful lot of oomph to to Bournemouth's um, attack. Uh, I was impressed with Phil Billing and I think if he can start getting a lot more goals from midfield, we saw the the tail end of last season, he started finding the net more regularly. If he can add more goals to his game, then that's an extra dimension that, um, you know, the team have got as well as Dominic Solanke up front. But yeah, I was was impressed with what Bournemouth produced sans some of their players, you know, on on the bench and missing and, and so forth. And plus, change of manager both teams had a change of manager but you never quite know how that's gonna how that's gonna work out but yeah that was I, I came away from that thinking that might already be one of the games of the season it was the first one <laughs> Sam you're our big man up top uh, not necessarily that big a man but Callum Robs- Robinson impressive for, for West Brom here I thought is is he one of those kind of not quite good enough for the Prem but really good in the championship kind of strikers we didn't mention him in our in our top scorers chat last week might have a good campaign yeah, I like him. I think that's a good shout. I remember him doing 
really well was it at Stamford Bridge for Sheffield United pre-going to, to West Brom in the Premier League and that kind of was remained his solitary standout performance unfortunately for, for him um, I would still say that West Brom will go and get another striker I think that the forward players that they have got are pretty good in this uh, Valerian Ishmael system I think they're all quite robust they're willing runners they're very mobile so don't see any problem there but I just think to kind of replace what he had with Daryl DK last year would be high on his list of priorities and not that I'm wanting to get rid of any of his squad members but I just look at some of those players that are around it still Livermore Sawyers to come back in I'm not sure those two are going to be able to play with that intensity I think there's a couple others as well that maybe will become surplus to requirements after the first few weeks of the season. But no, I thought really impressive for them. And when you think that they've got Johnson potentially to come back in goal, um, if he sticks around, Clark as well, uh, a GI who will give them that that pace to, to get them out of trouble if they've got such a high line. Really good start, really good start. But can't disagree with, with the guys on Bournemouth. I thought that was pretty good from them as well. Now, last week, Ryan picked out Emiliano Marcondes as a good signing uh, and he got the opener here. He's also now my favourite footballer. Uh, yeah, Ryan on the Zoom is already celebrating this. I mean, talk about going early. My goodness me. Uh, did you see his tweet, Ryan? Emiliano Marcondes at the weekend? Did he at me? Did he? he was did like, Ryan, you've, al- you've always believed in me and I love you. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was a Bournemouth fan asked if Emiliano could wish his son a happy birthday. Uh, and this is how Mark Andes replied. Hey, Finn, how's going? Hope you're having a good time because today is the best day of the year, huh? Happy birthday, my friend. Always follow your dreams and never give up on them. You're a super special kid. Wish you all the best. Save me a piece of cake, will you? Hashtag AFCB, cherries emoji, heart emoji. Isn't that just the sweetest thing? He's just such a good, wholesome individual, isn't it? See, I, oh man. No, he's, he's, he he's got his... He didn't know the son was 21 though, did he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, thought, I thought he was, I, I thought his performance was, was really was really good on, on Friday. And I think that's the sort of thing that, that Bournemouth have, have needed or needed last season was more rump from from midfield. I thought the timing of his run for for the goal was was really good, and just it would have helped if someone picked him up, even in his postcode. That would have been fun. But <laughs> I think that that sort of late run into the box is what Bournemouth need. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with Kilkenny. I thought he was really neat and tidy in the, in the middle of the park. You know, he looked confident for a young player, and he allowed Billing and, and Marcondes to play quite high. In front of him, so yeah, look, definite definite pluses. The worry, I think, might be in goal. I don't want to write off Travers, but but every time the ball went into the box from a dead ball, and they were great deliveries, he wasn't dominant. And I, I just wonder whether, in time, other teams might look at that and, and and try and hurt Bournemouth. So they, I know that they were on the lookout for another keeper. I would imagine they will go all out for one. Now then, we mentioned that performance of the week has been ditched for this season. Were it still around, somebody surely would have plumped for Hull City, who crushed Preston 4-1 at Deepdale. The Tigers quickly earning their championship stripes on their return to the second tier. They came from a goal down to win this one as well. Sam, how much does does momentum from from last season carry on into this? Was that the case here or, or was it just the fact that they were the better team on the day? A bit of everything, a number of elements, I would say. Um, You can point to Preston not being particularly good. They seem to have a bit of a dark cloud over them already after a a tough pre-season where they didn't get good results. I think it was Barkhausen who spoke in the the wake of this defeat and, and said as much, really. And I think almost, not a message to the board, but he kind of said that they need a bit of help. Um, They need some new blood. I think that squad is a little bit stale and um, that result definitely says as much. But yeah, I think Hull City have made a couple of good good additions. To me, they looked a little bit more happy having the ball rather than being a bit more counter-attacking as they were last year. I think through Wilkes, McGuinness and and Lewis Potter, they looked to have real control in the middle of the pitch. Smallwood was excellent. Doherty and Moncur uh, as well. So fantastic way to start. You want to get that first victory they'll be absolutely buoyant. And um, with the firepower they've got, especially in the wide positions, um, they're going to upset a lot of teams this year and yeah, probably uh, make my prediction look a little bit silly because I thought they may struggle last week. With, with Preston, Ryan, 
always think it's interesting when a club promote the guy who was previously number two to the top job. It often screams of penny pinching to me. It's, it's got to be kind of a little bit difficult for, for him to get the full respect and trust of the players who, who used to call him mate and now call him gaffer. I don't even think it's respect and trust. I think it's the message. We saw this with um, Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, you know, when Eddie, when Eddie Howe went and, um, you know, his number two was, was promoted. His name escapes me now. <laughs> it did, typically. Jason Tindall. Uh, Jason Tindall, yes, they, they promoted him. It wasn't so much about respect and, and trust. It was the, the, the message basically could have been the, the, the same thing. And I know, I don't know what Bournemouth were plumping for with that. They basically wanted to continue the same, the same ideology, but they, those guys basically become part of the, the furniture, and I think sometimes you need a, a completely different message to to shake things up. Now, as Sam has said, that that squad has basically had its best players picked apart from it, and you know it was a, a big contributing factor to uh, the downturn in form under under Alex Neil, where I think they got to like March and had scored nine goals that that calendar year, which wasn't great. Um, but yeah, I do. I do worry about them, but I still think this game was weird. So the second goal takes a massive deflection, uh, and I thought Preston were actually the better team for the first 15 or so of each half. 4-1 felt like an odd scoreline, and considering how the goals were, were scored, the, th- the third goal um, was a brilliant ball from um, uh, the, the, the lad out wide, uh, Keane... Uh, Lewis, Lewis Potter. Potter. It was, he was a lot... He was great. He was absolutely brilliant, and the, the ball for the third goal is brilliant, but... Uh, and Preston have lost Declan Rudd to a concussion, I think, now as well, or he's been tested for for concussion, so that that's less than ideal. But uh, yeah, a concerning time for them, I'd say. Fascinating to see how Grant McCann does with a full season at this level, Clarkie, because I, I feel like he maybe didn't get the props he ought to have done in, in taking them straight back up last season. He could be one to watch. He could be, yeah. He always had a reputation as a, an attacking manager, wanted to send his team out to score goals. But, but last season, I think he... He developed Hull City into a really rounded team. They were excellent without the ball and they had that, that, you know, strength in midfield. And then the front three, which he kind of rotated because he's got so many options, he he let them cut loose. And yeah, I I agree with the boys. I I think that they will cause teams problems. They might end up being a better away side, the sort of team that's hard to break down and and then they look to pick teams off. On the break, but yeah, in, in Lewis Potter, they've they've got a real talent there, no doubt about it. But Smallwood was was quality in the game, and and the fullbacks as well. Louis Coyle in particular was was outstanding. So yeah, loads of pluses for Hull, but yeah, I I wouldn't put them in the promotion picture or anything like that. I just think that they're going to have a nice solid campaign. Uh, speaking of Keen Lewis Potter, wasn't it lovely to see him wheel out the classic tweet that we all missed so much last season? Great result today. Fans were unreal. Two flaming emojis. Uh, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Uh, if goals are your jam, the Potteries were the place to be on Saturday. Stoke and Reading shared five of them, a raucous home crowd bellowing them on. Means Stoke start with a win for the first time in more than a decade. A lovely mixed metaphor from Michael O'Neill here. I always love these. I've just been told it's the first time we've won on the opening day of the season in 11 years, so I'm glad to get rid of that skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I guess. Uh, Sam, you mentioned Mario Vrancic as a signing to watch last week. He had, had a good debut. His debut allowing fellow debutant Sam Surridge to, to hit the winner and positive signs for Stoke here. Yeah, got got his changes spot on Mike, Michael O'Neill. I think raised a few eyebrows when he put Klukas and, and Surridge on for Powell and, and, and Fletcher who had affected the game um, and pushed Vrancic forward as well ar- around that time. And, and as you say, Matt, he played a, a hand in the, the winning goal for Surridge. Brilliant start for him. No question he's a, a talented boy and a, a decent goal scorer. So that will do him the world of good. And I think they've got great options. Jacob Brown looked like a new player uh, at the weekend. The, the players I've already mentioned and potentially going to go and get Liam Delap as well, who we've seen. Uh, in, the, in the 23s, Matt, who I'm sure every club in the championship would probably be interested in taking, given um, his pedigree at, uh, at youth level. So, no, um, I think really exciting for, for, for the Stoke supporters. Not brilliant defensively either side, but, you know, did enough to win the game. Reading look a little bit short on, on bodies. John Swift continues to be their, their main man. And I think it could be a, a tough season for them in the same kind of notion that, you know, Barnsley and and Swansea as well will probably struggle to replicate the heights they hit last season. Yeah, good to see John Swift back after all those injury problems uh, last season. In terms of Michael O'Neill, 
Clarky, bit of pressure on him this season. He might say it's it's promotional sculpture. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure what the expectations are. Clearly, it's to get promoted, and and their squad is is strong. I think that that with those forward options that Sam was talking about, plus a Delap, and of course Tyrese Campbell to come back in, they've definitely got the firepower this season. And we knew from last year that that, that they can defend. They've got some good good defensive players. They've brought in one or two as well. Those defenders didn't really turn up against Reading. It was a, an off day for them. But but if they can get that element right, then I think they'll win lo- win more than they'll lose. So yeah, no, I think I think they've got a chance. Stoke would be a bit daft, I think, to to put him under too much pressure. It's a, he's a safe pair of hands, and I'm confident actually that Michael O'Neill will will eventually get them out of that division. But will it be this season? And I don't know. They they might come closer than a lot of people were saying. Ryan, we we gave Velko Panovic a lot of praise on on this podcast last season, but you feel like he's got at least one arm tied behind his back at the moment. Obviously, can't sign players for a fee. A lot of key men have left. Players being linked with exits, even still. Might be a tough second season for him. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think you saw with what was it? They only named five players on the on the bench. I think as long as you've got Zhao up up front, you probably always stand a chance of of winning of winning games. But of course, his his supply has has been not cut, but options are, are limited now with the the leaving of of, of Richards and and Elise. Good to see Swift Swift back as as well. But I mean, uh, you know, they relied on a bit of. Stoke comedy defending for for one of their goals. Good set piece for for the other mind, but I didn't see too much from them in terms of open play that you that you looked at and thought they'd be the same handful that they that they were last season. And and I think as I mentioned on on the last time I was on this podcast, them and, and Swansea are the two teams I think could could really really struggle. Um, you know, considering where they have been in in recent seasons. Uh, Reading yeah. always struck me as an efficient team. Sorry, just Reading always struck me as an efficient team rather than a swashbuckling one. You looked at how they started last season and just everything they hit went in, but they didn't really take that many shots, but they they, they always looked really, really efficient. Um, and if that efficiency is going to, to go away, then you're in real trouble. Uh, Ryan, you were at Pride Park on Saturday to see Derby draw with Huddersfield. I mean, that's a decent result, isn't it, <laughs> given the given the build-up to the season? I know Huddersfield didn't have Carlos Corbran on the touchline having tested positive for coronavirus, but still filling out the ranks in, in the run-up to kick off a, a point not to be sniffed at. Yeah, it was it was a good game, actually. It was a it was a good fun game. It was a good performance from both teams. A draw was a, a fair result. I think both teams wasted the the best chances that that they had from open play um, and got their goals from from set pieces Derby still can't defend uh, set pieces even though the the goal that Huddersfield scores from a well worked one and the the coach you know Danny um, Schofield after the game said that they basically targeted Derby <laughs> in those areas because they knew they couldn't really defend them that well Derby for what it's worth I think the front four now with Ravel Morrison in could be fun uh, uh, with Sibley Tom Lawrence Ravel Morrison Colin Kazim Richards they could be fun to watch um, what I will say about both teams is on the transition, in attacking transitions, they looked like they could cause problems. And also in defensive transition, they looked like it was a cause for concern for both of them. <laughs> Finally in the championship, the points were shared in the London derby at the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium. What did we make of it? Never mind that. Let's hear what ours boss Mark Warburton thought. Adrian and I caught up with him earlier. Mark, were you pleased with the point on Saturday? It was a lively old start to the season. It was. I think it was always going to be a very tough game for a variety of reasons. Obviously, a full house, first time in front of fans for many of the players for a long, long time. The expectation, the London derby, all of these aspects came into it. So I think at the end of the day, a point for both teams was um, was about the right result. You mentioned the, the effect the crowds had on the players, particularly at the start of the game. I guess that's not something you could have prepared them for in any way, is it? Because you haven't been used to it for so long. It's just something they've got to figure out on their own. There were so many factors that maybe the crowd aren't aware of. For example, we'd been changing previously upstairs in one of the hospitality rooms because it was too cramped for COVID. So it's the first time many of our players had used a changing room, for example, as bizarre as that may sound, and getting used to the crowd. You know, 18 months, two years, and suddenly we have a packed house, the fantastic electric atmosphere of a, a London derby. And you could see it took them, some of them by surprise on both teams. 
I think you saw two very tired teams at the end. The adrenaline of that first 15 minutes took a lot out of the players. So it was an occasion whereby you certainly want to lose the first game, that's for sure, in front of the fans. Conceded an early goal from QPR's perspective, respond well. It was one of those games where I think it was a draw was a fair result in the afternoon. It was a cracking start to the season, Mark, but you're kind of used to these exciting games. In pre-season, you beat Manchester United. You drew in a bit of a thriller with Le- with Leicester City. Those two results must have given your boys a real boost in confidence ahead of that Millwall game, right? No, it did, absolutely. And the fact we can score seven goals, for example, against two teams that finish in the top, top four of the Premier League, we showed we can move the ball well. However, in all, all reality, that was a championship on Saturday. You know, that was a real business starting and every tackle, every decision, every aerial duel, everything was was so competitive and that's the difference from pre-season to the real the real deal. So it was a, a wake-up call for many for people on both sides of the coin, for Mill and QPR, that that is a championship and, and you have to deal with that week in, week out. Yeah, we know it's going to be a, a tough season. It always is in the championship. That said, a lot of people have got you pegged as dark horses. Is, is that a, a tag that you're happy to have? Yeah, we have to, because otherwise, I, mean, I think I look foolish. You know, we, we have to keep on improving year on year. So we went from, you know, the first year we improved by six places with a, with a lower budget. Then we improved from 13th to 9th last season, two points off a of seventh. Uh, and I think we were third in the table for the second half of games. So there's an expectation now, and the, and the players deserve so much credit for showing that they can win at tough places, points on the road. So I can't go to the QPR fans and say, just finish the top half of the table. They think, you know, they lacked ambition, lacked desire and everything else. So we have to finish better. More points, more than 68, higher than ninth, more clean sheets, better goal difference, etc. So if we do that, we need to be, we should be, hopefully, in and around the mix. Well, yeah, I, th- I think you absolutely can be around the mix. A lot of it will hinge on the club, though, won't it? And the ambition there... Are you can you can you tell the QPR fans that this time around you won't lose your star players, your most saleable assets? Obviously, in the past with Eze and, and Bright Say Samuel, they they left. Rob Dickey, Ilias Chair, these two guys are, are pretty sought after. Are they going to stick around? And, and are you going to have that crack at the Premier League? We've got we've got we've got a few players there for sure who will attract interest. Uh, and um, it's not a case of avoiding the subject. The fact is, if anyone play, leaves QPR, it has to be on QPR, whatever the board value uh, or put, put an appropriate value on. So, you know, I read some reports about, say, the end of the weekend will be leaving for X. You can times X by, you know, X amount, if you want, for a better expression, because it has to be on QPR's terms. So, you know, I'm always wary. The season has started now. There's still a few day, a few weeks after the window and you are exposed in this period, but it has to be on the club's terms. No player will leave below value. It'd be above market value. And, and if so, it's going to give us a chance to go and replace that person, should it happen. That's not me being negative. That's just me being realistic. In terms of, in terms of incomings, you've done a decent amount of business. You must be really satisfied as a manager to get those players through the door before the season started. You know, we're expecting a bit of a trolley dash come the end of this month. Makes your life much easier if those guys are with you for, for pre-season, surely. Absolutely right, Matt. I think that's a key point because I think many people will, will highlight the fact that there's lots of players available on the street and you can pick up a bargain at the end of the window and the guy that's 25 grand a week you can get for, for 10 and the guy at 15 grand a week you get for six and all of these comments... But the fact is, you want to get your business done early, get the players in, working with you in pre-season, getting used to his, his teammates, the style of play, the philosophy, the environment, all these things you know so well. So get your business done early is a, is a real benefit, real boost. And then if one does become available, that adds value to your squad, then have, have enough left in the coffers to go and make that move if you can. One that came in pretty early, uh, Mark, was, was Stefan Johansson. Got to talk about him. Obviously, big impact last season on loan. You've not only signed him permanently, you've made him the skipper. So um, that's quite a show of faith in him. He's, he, he's been a, he, he's been great for you, hasn't he? No, he has. And he's a class act. You know, I was obviously aware of Stefan run up in Glasgow and Celtic, the impact he had up there. He's captain of Norway, 55 international caps. You know, he's a, he's a class player. Um, and we, we got him on loan, which is a, a really good bit of business for QPR. And he, along with the other guys in the current squad, had a really strong second half of the season. No doubt about that. His influence on off the pitch was very evident. 
We were very lucky to have Stefan and people like Lee Wallace, Captain Rangers, and Charlie Austin affiliation with the club, Albert Adoma, Premier League Championship Bart experience. So those four senior players have a huge role to play for us. But Steph comes in and, as I say, respected by everyone and, and liked by everyone. And it's a natural role for him to play. Finally, Mark, we always like to finish with uh, with a tough question. So here it is. As a former currency dealer, can you tell me if it's time for me to ditch my crypto stocks or is it the future of finance? Well, I was, I was a currency trader. Crypto never existed at that time. So my advice on crypto should be widely ignored. Um, for me, the, the volatility of crypto makes it that I'd, I'd lose even more hair, Matt, if I was involved in the crypto right now. So I tend to stick for the safer stocks if that helps you at all. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Listen, we really appreciate your time today. All, all the best for the rest of the season. Appreciate that. Thanks for your time. Thanks, gents. Mark Warburton, QPR manager there. Ryan, this is where you leave us to go and see Wayne Rooney's press conference ahead of the game with Salford in the League Cup. Uh, and he said, enjoy that. I hope you have a nice week. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, uh, and thanks for having, me, for having me back on as always, guys. Thanks so much. Pleasure. We'll speak to you soon. Uh, League One to come. First, though, let's build a Carabao Cup anchor with the help of our friends at Paddy Power. The first round continues on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Abby, I'd like Salford to beat Derby, please. What odds will you give me on that? You're such a surprise. Uh, Salford are 27 to 10 to beat Derby. Derby are actually odds on to beat the League Two team. They're 19 to 20 and the draw comes in at 5 to 2. The shock in your voice when you said Derby are actually odds on to beat a team in League Two says more than my criticism ever could. Right, to League One. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show and you could read pieces from the likes of Ryan Conway, Nancy Frostick, Steve Maidley and many, many more writers. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Headlines. League One was the place to be for drama this weekend. A 3-3 thriller between Bolton and MK Dons. Morecambe holding Ipswich to a draw. And Wigan's X-Factor. No match for Sunderland's leadership group. Just some of the big stories. Elsewhere, all four promoted teams took a point. And Jody Morris is the new favourite for the MK Dons job. More on that imminently. In fact, we'll start our look back at the University of Bolton Stadium, where newly promoted Wanderers and managerless MK Dons shared six goals between them. Alex Baptiste strike deep into stoppage time, snatching a point for the hosts. Uh, Sam, what did you make of, of Bolton here? I kind of had this pegged as a, as a home win, given MK's situation. Was that naive, given that Bolton are, are newly back into League One? Um, yeah, possibly. Um, it's going to take them a little bit of time uh, up against a, yeah, they've lost their manager, but a, a good side who have got a really attractive way of playing and have recruited some really good players. So I felt it was a day where both sets of supporters will be really enthused about the debutants. I thought uh, Issa and, and Twine obviously got off the mark. Troy Parrott and Robson, by all accounts, were, were very good as well. And for Bolton, you had instant Contributions from Bakayoko, Kachunga, Sheehan obviously scored a wonderful goal as well. So it was a terrific game. Um, the last 15 minutes obviously swayed from one end to the other. You had the story of Boateng shipped off by Russell Martin, essentially not part of his plans. I think he said as much in the last couple of weeks. Didn't really fancy him as a player. Gets himself a goal and looks to be back in, in the plans at Stadium MK. So no, it was, a, it was a really good game. I expect it had been a tough week. For, for MK Don. So, very good point, And I'm sure Bolton will be delighted to be off the mark as well. Boat and shipped off. <laughs> good. Um, Adrian, is, D, is Dean Lewington the least surprising caretaker appointment at any club since Tony Park's 300th spell at Blackburn? <laughs> I think so. But he doesn't want the gig, does he? It's He, he said, no, it's not for me. But but I think he did a great job. I really did. And that's a strong decision, isn't it? To, to bring back a player like Boateng that the previous gaffer had kind of ostracised and he had his own mind, didn't he, Lewington? And he was like, no, I've played with this kid. He's a good player. 
I, I want to bring him back into the fray. So, so well done to him for that. And you can see from the celebration that that they were sort of all in it together. He's obviously a popular lad, isn't he? Been been a bit of a legend at Stadium MK Lewington. So, so no, I think I don't think he is the guy to to move them forward. But he's a good good interim guy that can just keep that dressing room together. I thought it was really impressive from MK Dons considering the upheaval. And uh, yeah, some good goals and. Yeah, Scott Twine. I mean, he's he's just got a lot in his locker, hasn't he, in terms of those long-range goals. And, and Issa scoring from a turnover. So it'd be interesting to see if MK Dons are going to push up and, and, and really get about other teams with the high press this this year. That was a good good turnover goal. So yeah, lots of positives for MK. And now it's all eyes on, on them and who they appoint, isn't it? Just a quick line on two central defenders. George Johnson was was superb for for Bolton. They beat off competition from Wigan. He actually chose to to go to Bolton. Looks to be a really good player. And Harry Darling, who was really impressive last year. Every time I saw him live, not at the races at all. I'm just thinking with Swansea looking for a ball playing centre half after <laughs> the weekend. Would it be too early for him? 21 years of age. Obviously, no experience at that level. I'm sure in time he will probably follow Russell Martin. Mm, so much shout. business is going to get done by the end of this month, I think. Uh, Mention Morris and Lewington. Some other names in the frame for the MK job, uh, according to the bookies, include John Terry, Michael Duff and Alex Neal. Uh, I would say go with Alex Neal because it just might stop him crushing me. Uh, it's going to be interesting, that, Adrian, isn't it, to see who they go for? Because they, they do often make some quite left-field choices, MK. It, you know, they, they went for what you'd think would be it a steady hand on the tiller in Paul Tisdale last season didn't work out at all. So you wouldn't be surprised if they gave somebody their first full-time gig in the big role. Wouldn't surprise me at all. They bought into the philosophy manager in Russell Martin. It was all about the style, wasn't it? And putting an imprint on the club. This is the way we want to operate from top to bottom. This is our style. And it was a great style to watch. Now, not that many managers playing the same way as, as, as a Russell Martin. Jody Morris, you would imagine, having worked in the academy football and worked at the highest level with Chelsea, would certainly encourage good football, I would have thought. Who knows about about John Terry? We don't know what kind of manager he is. I think that Duff and O'Neill are different types, aren't they? Duff, very different style at Cheltenham. And, and Alex Neal, similarly, I think, throughout his career, he, he hasn't played in the way that Russell Martin did. So I would imagine that those two wouldn't, be top of the list I think they'll go with a rookie that that tells them that they want to continue in the in this sort of expansive football style now on last week's leagues one and two preview pod which is still available in the archives Ipswich boss Paul Cook told us it would take time for his new team to gel from the looks of things he's right 2-2 for the tractor boys against newly promoted Morecambe at Portman Road uh, Sam, the easy thing, I guess, is, is to focus on Ipswich, but we ought to lavish praise on, on Morecambe first. First game at this this level, and, and you gave him some praise on Quest on Saturday, but but Cole Stockton looked the part at this level, could be key for them this season. Yeah, uh, quite a quite a unique player, I, w- I would say. A bit of a, th- a throwback, even last year in, in League Two. Not particularly mobile, but... If you get good quality into him, he's he's so clever with it, with his touches and his his awareness how to bring other people in. So, of course, it translates to other levels. It's whether you've got a manager that wants to continue in that vein, I suppose, doesn't want to have a little bit more mobility up there, or you know, a central player who can do a bit of everything, a la Diego Costa or or someone like that, off the top of my head. So, really pleased for him. They would have been highly motivated I mean what a place to go your first game in in League One you know I've been there on the on the Ipswich side playing in that brilliant stadium when the sun's shining and raining as it was at the weekend it's it's a great place to play football so no enormous credit to them nine debuts as well so let's you know give them credit because yes Ipswich had eight new signings I think in their lineup but uh, it's going to take some bedding in for both squads so they they deserve enormous credit for the way they attacked and the way that they defended because in the first half particularly they were magnificent in that regard they just couldn't couldn't hold out it's it's a great it's a great pitch always at Portman Road and the kit the kit looks good I know I'm a bit biased because I'm a Suffolk <laughs> boy but yeah just I, it's one of my biggest regret I think or one of my biggest regrets when I left Arsenal I met George Burley 
for a chat about joining them. And he, he, he basically wouldn't offer me a contract because he hadn't seen enough of me. One of his scouts said I was mustard. Another one of his scouts didn't rate me that highly at all. So he said, I want you to come and train with us in pre-season. And I should have backed myself because I would have loved to have played play for Ipswich. But yeah, it didn't happen. But yeah, it's a, it's a great place to play. And and they are attracting some quality talent, aren't they? And, and yeah, since we last spoke to Cookie, I think another couple have come in. Louis Barry um, on loan for Villa, an exciting young talent. One of them, Sonia Luco as well. So, yeah, dodgy start, I suppose, 2-2, but they'll come good, won't they? Happy pointing out they could always call on their number 17 for this season, who is Ed Sheeran. Um, Um, (laughs) He's good at uh, playing between the lines. He's got a lot of bad habits. That's the problem, Sam. (laughs) Getting back to the football, we saw the the power of their bench, didn't we? Because I think that will be an asset. Even if plan A doesn't click and Chaplin and Piggott, they didn't really hit it off, I don't think, in this game. On comes, you know, two from the bench, Norwood and and Bond. Long ball, flick on and and, and a bit of quality to finish. So, yeah, you look around League One, I don't think anyone or hardly anyone will will have the the depth that Ipswich do. So if it's not working in a game, they they have the the personnel to turn things around like they did in that game. And I didn't I didn't realise Macaulay Bond was uh, an Ipswich lad. So that yeah. that was a nice story as well. Real, um, I think he was there as a as a kid. Jo- Joby McEnough obviously uh, worked with him at Leighton Orient and said that he's you know Ipswich daft and and always back in in Suffolk. So he went on obviously <laughs> with that purpose and. Um, yeah, I mean the first the, the first Ipswich goal was really sophisticated in its build up, and but I didn't think that happened enough. They couldn't play through Morecambe, so it was just route one. And he he said as much after the game that he wanted to stretch them, try and make runs in behind, use his body really cleverly, and a, a lovely finish. And um, he would have felt amazing, I'm sure, going back into that dressing would have felt like a dream for him. Yeah, good for him. Uh, now, it's always awkward when you see an ex so soon after you've split. Luckily for Sunderland supporters, they were in an environment where vocalising one's displeasure at being dumped was actively encouraged. Former Wearsiders Charlie Wyke and Max Power, part of the New Look Wigan team that rocked up at the Stadium of Light, but it was they rather than the Black Cats who left with their tails between their legs after Sunderland ran out 2-1 winners. First thing to say on this, Adrian, 31,000 supporters witnessed it live. Sunderland have provided us with, with lots of moments over the last few seasons, often calamitous ones, but the backing that they get is absolutely tremendous. Highest attendance of the weekend. Yeah, it was great to see, wasn't it? Great noise. It's got to make a big difference. It, it will inspire a few teams. A few teams will go there and, and look at the stadium and the fans and, and it, will, it will bring the best out of them. Others might freeze. Um, and, and I think... Yeah, they needed that penalty in this game and it was a bit of a soft one. I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty. I think it was, but that was the turning point. They'd just gone behind. They get back on level terms, score it, and then the crowd are up. And then they that's when that, that huge crowd can really play its part. I've been to so many away games where a team has been fairly poor. Then they get that goal, the crowd roar, and all of a sudden it's like you're playing a different team. And I think that's what, what Wigan found in, in this game. It was it was good, I thought, from Sunderland. Really good. And a couple of excellent debuts from Corey Evans, who had the captain's armband. That was a that was an interesting call from Johnson. And and 17-year-old Callum Doyle uh, on loan from City at centre-half did, did brilliantly. So, so, yeah, good, really good start for them. And I love, I love the quote. Did you see this quote, Matt, from, from Lee Johnson on, on Corey Evans? He said, um, he's not talking about him being the skipper. He said, he's not going to be a Gary Wackett from Mike Bassett headbutting the ball before we go out. And I wouldn't mind one of them, by the way, but he's very steady. And at a club like this, it's about flattening the waves. Yeah. <laughs> Utterly meaningless, most of that, but enjoyable anyway. <laughs> Um, Sam, it's easy to read too much into the first result of the season, which is why I'm so good at it. But we spoke last week about how League One's going to be so competitive last season that actually this is a big result for Sunderland, not because they won the first game of the season, but because they've taken three points off a team who are likely going to be around them in the the race for promotion. Yeah, definitely. And the manner of the performance as well, as Adrian rightly says, how many times did we talk about draws and them sitting on leads and all that? There was none of that at the weekend. They they went to try and extend 
there, Lead, and uh, I'm glad you're giving me the floor, Matt, because Wigan are the first supporters to come after me this season after I said on Saturday night that they, they're spending, you know, big money or something. You know, it was a, a throwaway remark when we didn't have a lot of time. You know what live TV's like, guys. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, no, I was being silly. And, um, yeah, and they've come back at me the last couple of days and I can kind of see their side of the story because they've let a lot of players go and they were kind of saying, you know, it's it's wages that were freed up to to bring people in. Charlie White's the only one who's on the, the big wages. I'm not sure I agree entirely because they have played a couple of undisclosed fees and I would imagine that the guys from Portsmouth and, and Ipswich, Jordan Jones, who's come down from Rangers, will be getting a better salary than the majority of players at that level. So I think they're still playing probably decent whack for for a number of their recruits but they've put together a really competitive side and and they're going to be good you know let's not be too concerned about how disappointing white was at the weekend and and some of his peers that that was just a really good Sunderland side and as Adrian's highlighted Callum Doyle I've watched his clips this morning I mean I've never seen anything like it the geezer looks like a Rolls Royce and when you put into account the 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 atmosphere the intensity of that stadium on the opening day a lot of people can go under he looks to have an absolutely beautiful left foot aggressive and by all accounts um you know Wigan were allowing Flanagan his centre-half partner to have the ball they were encouraging Lee Burge to give it to him just because this guy was picking them off at will Final thought on this game uh, and congratulations to our friend David Priest, now the Sunderland goalkeeping coach. All the best with that dream job, David. And let's carry on with this Carabao Cup Acker then. Adrian, what's your pick, please? Yeah, on the Wigan theme, actually. Yeah, I I, I don't think it was a bad performance. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, quality players and I think they'll score goals. I think they'll be quite, quite entertaining this year, Wigan Athletic. And they play Hull in the Carabao Cup at Hull. And I think it'd be a cracking game. Uh, Hull City, as we know, got plenty of depth in the forward department. So no, no matter what starting 11 they put out, they'll, they'll have quality, the Tigers. So yeah, I think these two will go at it and uh, and it'll be an attacking game. So I'm, I'm going for Hull, Wigan, both teams to score. That's my fancy. Wasn't that long ago, was it, that they met and uh, at Wigan and Hull won 5-0. In fact, it was only in February of uh, this year. And of course... Only in July of 2020, Wigan won 8-0. So, yeah, goals, not a bad shout in that one. What odds are we getting on that, Abby? Yeah, it is odds on. It is 6-10 for both teams to score, 6-5 for them not both to score. And uh, Hull are the favourites here. They're 17-20 with Wigan 14-5 and our double coming in at 5-1. Good. That was League One then. We'll take a trip to League Two next. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. League Two headlines. A win for Hartlepool on their return to the EFL. No such luck for Sutton though who go down at Forest Green. Former crisis club Swindon win at nearly crisis club Scunthorpe. Rochdale bring the goals and defeats down from League One with them, losing 3-2 to Harrogate. And Mike Dean went from fan to fourth official as he stepped in for an injured colleague as Tranmere beat Walsall. Of course he did. Uh, let's start with Scunthorpe 1, Swindon 3. Uh, Sam, you said last week the new owner was doing the right things in, in kissing babies and pulling pints. He was in the stands <laughs> with the fans this weekend too. These, these oh, are the golden how moments. Predictable. How predictable. <laughs> till it, till just, it all goes wrong. He's, do, he's ticking off every box of the sort of brown-nosing new owner um, <laughs> list, isn't he? I mean, it's nice. It's nice, but he, it's, it's all a bit cliche, isn't it? it? Maybe. It feels a bit... He's playing football as well, like the, um, the, the the fans as well. He loves five-a-side by all accounts, and um, he's been churning out there. So I think it feels a bit different to me. At least he hasn't got his guitar out yet anyway. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he only went in for the second half, mind you. Maybe it was because they were attacking that end. That's, that's clever. You know, I used to do that back in the day at Fulham, walk up the, the river, watch Fulham attack one end and go and stand with four Rochdale supporters in the second half <laughs> behind the other goal back in the days now this is this is an incredible start I mean given there was only you know five or six players there a couple of weeks ago no manager no chief exec they they've obviously recruited a director of football Ben Chorley with with Ben Garner the coach and some really good loanees um Kessler Hayden very good by all accounts. Simpson, excellent in the second half on loan from Ipswich. Striker is going to be a, 
a big onus on him to do well. And the midfield, you know, the trio of, of Grant, Gladwin and Payne, when you look at those those names really and where they've been, what they've done, uh, what Gladwin has produced in a Swindon shirt before, it's um, loads of hope. And I'm really pleased for the, for, for the supporters, obviously, because I said it on Saturday night, we've seen what's happened in football the last few years and they were threatened. They would have been worried about the future of their club and we've seen that it can happen. We've seen that teams can go out of business. So absolutely delighted. And final word from me, they won 2-0 at Scunny opening day, the year that Richie Wellens took them to the League 2 title. It's written in the stars. It's definitely uh, not going to be a title season. <laughs> but, <laughs> there you, but there you go. It's good to have optimism. Probably not going to be a title season for, for Scunny either, is it, Clarkie? I'm just looking at their next run of games. They've got Barrow in the Cup, then they're away at Rochdale and Walsall before Sutton uh, visit Glanford Park. Got to get at least one win out of those games, haven't they? Or Neil Cox is, is going to be even more under pressure than he is at the moment. Yeah, they're just... I feel for the Iron fans that they're not being given anything to make them feel optimistic, are they? This is as, as brilliant as it was from Swindon. I think this was an um, this was as good as Hull winning four one at Preston because of the circumstance, because it's a brand new team chucked together with a new manager. It was immense from Swindon, but on the flip side, how bad must Scunthorpe be? That's that's one way. I think you have to look at it. Only thirty eight percent possession against a brand new team as well. You know, they, they were going long. It was, I think they had a 58% pass accuracy, which sort of tells you that they, there was a detachment between the lines. They were having to go longer and, and things were breaking down. They conceded eight shots on target, Scunthorpe. Had very few themselves. So, yeah, worrying times, I think, for, for Scunthorpe fans. And, yeah, Neil Cox, is, he, he has to get it right, I think, by... Before that international break, and it's, it comes really early, doesn't it, in the season? But that is the first little period where where chairman sometimes blink. So he's got he got to get a win under his belt, otherwise he might, he'll be in trouble. Our final game took place at Victoria Park, which staged a football league fixture for the first time in four years. The majority of those in attendance went home happy after Gavin Houlihan's late stunner gave Hartlepool United the victory against Crawley Town. Uh, Sam, so vital when you come up, you get that early win. We, we saw what a struggle it was for, for Barrow last season. They stuttered early on as they looked for it, but Hartlepool have got this building block in place now. Yeah, and, and similarly to the, the Swindon story, really, this is a squad that's been moulded in the last couple of weeks, only finished um, you know, so much later than everyone else uh, because of the, the, the playoff final. So this is a brilliant result especially Adrian spoke of the two guys they lost Oates and um, Armstrong Armstrong scored on his um, his debut for Harrogate at, at the weekend so they're going to be huge losses for them so this is a, a brilliant start substitute Tyler Burry made a really good impact it was his delivery and um, Gavin Hollahan finished it off really well there's a brilliant chant about him bit of a cult hero uh, been there four years now I think the longest he's spent at any club um, and he delivered on the first day against a really abject Crawley side we've heard from Yemo already missing Tom Nichols. I think they haven't been the same squad haven't had the same look about them since they lost Waters to, to Cardiff I think they've only scored once in more than once in four games since he he left the club in January. So, yeah, they they need to improve drastically in that regard. If it wasn't for their rear guard action at the weekend, which was pretty good, it could have been a lot worse for them. Yeah, big blow to lose Mark Wright as well, probably. Oh, <laughs> righty, yeah, purely for the morale for the nights out. You know what he could have produced in that regard god only knows um clark are you were having a popper at the swindon owner for for a bit of brown nosery what about yemo yeah. pointing out that he traveled up with some of the fans that, that feels like kind of dead man walking tactics to me <laughs> i don't know what, 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 did he get the train up i think maybe that's what what they did i don't know it's, it's a bit unusual he'd have thought he'd have gone with the players so yeah it's uh he was at pains to point that out wasn't he he's a man of the people is yemo yeah, you wouldn't want to interview him, though, would you? He, he is he is a challenge, that is for sure. On Hartlepool, by the way, as good as that was, and I think I think they're they're going to be a hard to play against, really hard working side. Just need a striker, I think. They get they they get a goal scorer in, they'll be all right. Um, on then the, the subplot there is the manager, Dave Challoner, has been offered a new contract. Now all the players have been offered new contracts because they're now EFL players. 
He's been offered one, but he's not happy with it. He's, he, he, he pretty much said it's derisor in. The chairman has gone on record as saying they've made a fair offer. And, and he then responded by saying, well, it depends what you, how you judge it. You know, it might seem fair to one person. It might seem derisory to another. So it sounds to me as if he's he's angling for a much better deal to stay. So, um, yeah, yeah, could be an interesting side to to keep your eye on in the coming weeks off the pitch as well on as well as on it. Have you ever heard derisory in any other walk of life other than football contracts? No, it's the same as a judged, isn't it? Only ever gets used in in football. <laughs> derisory, judged. That's true. It's true. I'm sure we can do a list of those. Hey Sam, let's uh, finish off this Carabao Cup ACA, please. What's your pick? I completely forgot that Harrogate played Rochdale at the weekend. So there is. There is some thought to this because I was thinking, who would I rather play for? Harrogate or Rochdale having to play the same game essentially the following week. And it's definitely the home side. Having been beaten as a Rochdale player and having to go back there the following week, I wouldn't have wanted to. So (laughs) for that purpose, and because they've shipped three, uh, Rochdale on the opening day of the season after having the second worst defence I think behind Swindon last year Harrogate got three goals at the weekend I'm going to go for a home victory I think a nice cup run now that Harrogate have ticked off getting in the league stabilising last season what can they do next I think a nice cup run for them yeah, big difference this season, of course. If you if you get drawn at a Premier League club, you might actually get to go and play there with supporters in the stadium. Uh, Abby, what are the odds on Sam's pick, please? Yeah, Harrogate are seven to five to win, and Rochdale thirteen to eight. You're going to round this off for us, aren't you, Abby? I am. I've not really gone to very risky at all. I remember watching the uh, the Port Vale highlights. The goalie just thwacking back that other player, being sent off. So Port Vale down a decent goalkeeper. They're playing Sunderland. I'm going with over two and a half goals. That comes in at 13 to 20, which means that our Acker all rounded up nicely comes in at 22.44 to one. If we get that, let's all head to London and have some drinks. (laughs) You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, Stop. Now that'll just about do it for today. Before we go, though, after the aforementioned John Yem's early season rant, uh, I want to know when did you last have to do something in football that you really didn't want to? I mentioned this because Tom Cameron is the media guy at Crawley. And I'm going to preface this with a tweet that Tom put out on Saturday. Uh, Obviously, we've all seen the interview with Yammer. We've heard a bit from it. And I felt a bit for Tom, like he's got a tough job. Tom says, best job in the world. The gaffer and I get on like a house on fire. And what you see in an interview doesn't reflect anything. He truly wears his heart on his sleeve. And an hour later, we were laughing away on the phone. Never met a manager who cares as much as Yems. Still wouldn't fancy the gig though. Uh, Clarky, what's your answer to this? The, the time when, when you had to do something in football that you really didn't want to? Play against Canvey Island in the FA Cup for Stevenage a couple of days after their manager, Jeff King, had phoned me up in my rookie job at the South End Evening Echo as the trainee reporter. He'd phoned up specifically to talk to me because front page news <laughs> had my byline on it at the South End Echo and it was a story about an incident shall we say at King's nightclub in Canvey and he took major major exception to my story <laughs> and he just laid into me so much and then of course we played them a couple of days later and I was I was so scared of, of bumping into him or or doing anything so I just completely stayed out of his way but yeah that was that was really uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, if I could have, you know, had a sickie that day, I would have done it. Sam, can you compete with that? <laughs> uh, Post Chelsea, probably playing in the reserves. I never wanted to play in the reserves, yeah. but I've one hundred percent told this anecdote before. So apologies yeah. to regular listeners. Yeah. Um, it would be post. Johnson's Paint Trophy victory with Luton, two days of celebrations with the manager, I hasten to add. Tuesday morning comes, we've had a few days off. Mick Harford calls me into his office. You've not been playing regularly, Sam. You've got to play in the reserves this afternoon. I've literally just left the nightclub with Mick about four hours before. <laughs> oh, my whole, I thought I was coming in for a bit of head tennis, nice little bit of lunch, and my heart sank. 
and it was against Watford, local rivals. So I had to run around and I scored one of the best goals I've ever scored in my life. Um, Half pissed. (laughs) So there you go. I knew there was going to be a goal at the end of that anecdote. Oh, it was um, it was from outside the box, so I remember it very well. <laughs> um, my one, it was the anniversary of this yesterday, as we record, I've just realised. It's going to take you back to the 8th of August 2015. Chelsea have just drawn 2-2 with Swansea City in the opening game of the season. And Jose Mourinho has just said something incredibly unpleasant to then-club doctor Eva Canero. Uh, It's all a little bit heated, heated to the point that Jose comes into the Chelsea TV interview room and the camera switches off because it is so hot in there that it can no longer function. He and I are both pouring in sweat. He is incredibly angry and I get the pleasure of interviewing him about the two points that his team have just dropped and the rant that he's had at the doctor. Makes an afternoon with Clarky and Parky seem like a walk (laughs) in the park in comparison. Uh, did you Mate. will under the pressure? Did you did you did you did you get anything good out of him, or was he just completely? No, uh, I did exactly the wrong thing, Clarky. I tried to butter him up. I said, uh, "Jose, give us your assessment of what was a thoroughly entertaining game." And he said, "You have already given an assessment," and that was the end of the interview. <laughs> Lovely man. Uh, wish him all the best. He got sent off in a pre-season friendly this weekend. Never change. Jose. Many thanks to Adrian, to Sam and to Ryan for their company today and to Abby for knocking it into broadcastable shape and to you for joining us dear listener what say we do it all again on Thursday see you then You've been listening to the Totally Football League show part of the Athletic Podcast Network listen ad free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.